All That Heaven Allows, 1955. This is a, I would say, kind of a a melodrama of sorts. It's a film about a a sort of middle-aged widow who uh, unexpectedly begins a romance with her younger gardener. And the consequences of their love are felt throughout their small suburban town. Uh, Her friends are disapproving of their love. Her children are appalled by the idea of her marrying uh, a much younger man and someone who's not like their father. And the film follows their story uh, as they figure out what they're going to do. Welcome to Cinema Gadfly. I'm your host, Arik Devins. Joining me this week is my good friend Maya. Uh, Why don't you say hello, Maya? Hello! Hey, how you doing? Super great! This is so exciting! (laughs) Well, uh, I'm super, super excited to have you on. Um, And let's just start with, uh, what did you think of the film? Did you like it? I thought it was beautiful. I love Technicolor. I love films of this era. However, I also thought that it was five minutes of story stretched out over 85 minutes of film. (laughs) it's a slow burn it really is it's a slow moving film but the beautiful part of it is that it shows all of those very stereotypical elements of movies of the time like it would be a fantastic 1955 film drinking game oh like every time like bingo like every time you see something from that era stereotype you you would drink yes it's like oh classic car Oh, amazing costume. Oh, someone's making a very tiny martini. Oh, there's a weird pile of coals that are on fire in the street. Oh, someone kisses somebody and they like mash their face together. Like all of those very stereotypical elements were represented in the film. So it made for like some beautiful kind of easy watching. But is this a story heavy film? No. No, no, it's not. I, I, so I do think there are interesting questions raised by the film, but you're right. In terms of the actual story, it's, it's pretty like beat for beat. I mean, I think partially that's because I feel like we've maybe seen this many, many times, you know, since then. I don't know if in 1955 this represented a, a bigger leap, you know, than it, than it does to us now. Cause I feel like we've seen this. It's like almost like a trope at this point. It's like a, a story we've seen like a million times. But before we jump into any of those topics, you, I totally agree with you that the movie is beautiful. And I can we just talk for a second about... Uh, so Jane Wyman plays Carrie, the uh, middle-aged mom uh, who's the heart of the story. And her costume, her clothing, ridiculous. Out of control. And all of her society ladies... I mean, I know Technicolor takes everything up like 200%, but just the saturation on the color of all of their evening wear was just, I wanted all of it. Like I wanted to just, I want to just take still frames of all of the scenes inside their homes and in the country club and all the women in their, in their, you know, Friday best and everything was just beautiful. I could watch this movie with the sound off. Yeah, I think this would be a great thing to have on. I mean, I, I do enjoy the story, but I think this would be a great thing to have on like at a bar or at a party when stuff's going on. And you just every once in a while you look over and go, oh, my God, her boots. You know what I mean? Like she, her, literally her footwear is, is incredible. Oh, my gosh. I, I know we'll get to this later, but like her winter boots were such an element of the movie. Her winter boots, right? <laughs> like, oh, my. Like, I want 
I want my girlfriend to have those boots. Now she's going to listen to this and be like, well, get me those boots. And I would I would if I knew where to get them. And did you notice that at the train scene, there were women that didn't have winter boots. And so they put plastic bags over their heels when they had to walk in the snow. When at the at the end, when Carrie goes to pick up her children from the train station and there's other women waiting for the train, there's other women waiting and they just have plastic bags with like rubber bands over their heels. Yeah, that's a good point to mention that she is, there's definitely an economic component to this because she is rich she's loaded yeah right like she's a country club you know lady she's got her kids are very fancy right everything's very fancy very yes yeah but oh my god her outfit her outfits plus just rock so the male role is rock hudson like that the, the combination there's a lot of there's a lot of attractive people on the screen in this film well i mean like why not no yeah totally right why not like yeah. why like why did people go to the movies in 1955 <laughs> you know like to see beautiful people in beautiful clothes in a beautiful setting falling in love with each other well it's that's an interesting point that you raise because you know um uh american soap operas have always been about super fancy people and the like insane things that they get up to but in like in the uk and in australia soap operas are all about working class kind of poor people and the struggles they face and i think that has a lot to say about like what different societies like think about themselves like we we're all like a society of people who are like yeah I'm, I'm gonna make it someday i'm gonna be big time you know but that has very little to do with this film okay so in the film right so she starts dating they, they kind of meet the one thing like you said it's a, a five minutes of story one of the things that i noticed that i feel about this film is it's super breezy with like they meet and they're dating and they're pretty serious like in a minute can we talk about their meet cute real quick like yes so he has been hired ron has been hired by Carrie's deceased husband yes. to trim their trees. Correct. So Carrie is at home. Ron is in her front lawn trimming the trees, no pun intended, and she offers him some coffee. He goes over, drinks some coffee, says like two really quick one-liners talking about like trees like laying down the moves or whatever he says something like oh they say a tree can only live in a home where there's love and you're like barf and so like he goes back and trims the trees or whatever and then I think they meet one other time and then suddenly they're like we're in love and we're getting married they as far as the movie shows us they've only kissed two times before they've decided to become married well so that is yes yes that is true that that is a thing so it is so particular to like movies post the Hayes production code uh, in like the 30s where you cannot you cannot advance the plot. If they're not going to get married, then everything else in the film will be censored. So you can't have them dating. You can't have them kissing if they're not going to get married or already are married. And so like they have to do that. So like – and it's and it's funny because if you thought like if you think that the kids and the friends freaked out when like when she said oh, we're gonna get married if she had been like yeah I'm just dating this guy we're just like checking each other out we're seeing what's going on like it would have been like scandal way yeah way 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 where that horrible gossiping lady would have been like on fire with that news right but like so they had to do that but it's true no they meet and like one second later they are in love and they're getting married and all this stuff but I I do think like she she's I think she's very lonely, you know, and he's he's Rock Hudson. I mean, you know, like I don't think she's lonely. No, at the beginning. So, so that's a, that's a whole theme. She's a widow. Yeah. And her, she has two children. They're both in university, and her son, who's a fucking prick, 
He's the worst. You can swear, by the way. He's the okay, worst. great. He's the worst. Also looks and sounds old enough to be dating his mother. Okay, by the way, how old was Carrie in the filming of this movie? Like 30? Oh, the actress? No, yes. she actually was, I think, in her 40s. She's just a very, very, very... Okay, let's fact check that lady. because I 100% doubt it. At, 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 she was maybe in her late 30s. But I think Rock, Rock Hudson was probably in his early 30s, and she was in her late 30s, and it's like, oh, scandal, this older woman is dating this younger man. But I digress. So the son, who is a complete asshole, is like, oh, mom, you're widowed. You're probably super lonely. I'm going to buy you a television. And she's like, I don't actually need a TV. I have my friends. I have my thing. I have my life. I'm actually good. But this whole movie, people are like, oh, you must be so lonely because you're a widow now. And it's like, no, she's she's doing fine. And so I feel like that that image was just pushed upon her, which I got from the movie that she was like, I'm, I'm cool, you guys. I don't need a TV. Thanks very much. So first of all, fact, fast fact check, she was in fact 38 years old when, the, when they filmed the movie. So Thank you. How old was Rock Hudson? Very well done. Uh, that's a good question. Let's find that out real quick. Let's, this is a phenomenal uh, podcast where we, we look this up. He was, oh, he was, uh, he was like 30. So yeah, 30 and he's yeah. Like, okay, so listen, th- th- there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. I, there's so much stuff that I agree with, but I, I want to get to like one piece at a time. So for, first of all, there are sort of a few different reasons that people in the film don't like them being together. Yes. And w- when I wrote about this film for, for my blog, uh, one of the things I said was that the one of those that I don't think holds up at all today is the idea that there's a huge age difference between 100 percent agree yeah i don't think anyone today cares about that no like it just you know i don't i don't feel like i don't feel like that matters at all the the one that i do think matters though is that we as is the idea that we are uncomfortable with people with women of a certain age and you know in the film story i think she's supposed to be a little bit older right living their own life and not because it's like her the daughter says about oh i don't believe in that old egyptian custom of of you know burying wives with their husbands but everyone in the film totally 100% believes in the that custom right and like they want her to they get her the the tv which i think is like uh, that's interesting too on a movie versus tv level and what period of time this was and what was going on in society but just in the film world like that represents the absolute ultimate giving up right like this tv salesman is like the life's parade at your fingertips, you know, like all the company you'll ever need. You don't even have to leave your house anymore. And she's just like dying inside, right? Because this is what everyone thinks of her, that she should basically disappear. Her life is over. Her only job is to is to be at the train station getting a note that her kids aren't coming to visit her because she's ruined her life for theirs and they don't care, right? They're just like, they're living their lives. They're, they've got things to do. They're still, they're still, you know, young and interesting and blah, blah, blah. And I think that that idea that we... Don't, that we're uncomfortable with with uh, people above a certain age still having a life to live. I think that's still very, very true today. What do you think? Or the only alternative is that she marries a similar man to her husband who is deceased. So her children were very comfortable with her marrying Harry the molester or Har- Harvey the molester. No, it wasn't the molester guy. The molester guy was a different guy. So the, it, they wanted her to marry the guy who says that... Uh, that 
that at a certain age sex is is incongruous and that and that you know he's just looking for companionship and stuff right the guy the guy who tried to like molest her was the was the creepy guy at the club right who was like cheating on his wife yes my apologies you're correct oh that's cool so, but they were, but they were very comfortable with her marrying Harvey, who said companionship and affection are the important things. Let's just get married. I am basically a clone of your husband, who is now deceased. If we married, we would we would be able to provide each other companionship and affection, and, and our lives could essentially go on as they were prior to our spouses dying. Which, of course, she and I think most people would be like, mm, no thanks. Um, so she found this other person who really interested her, but since that strayed from that formula or that mold that her uh, friends and children were so used to seeing her, it freaked everybody out and they weren't willing to accept it. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what I, what I was kind of trying to get at is that everyone wanted her to live that her life for what would make them comfortable. Yeah. So anything that steps outside of that they just are completely not okay with she can do whatever she wants and she can blah 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 but she has to do whatever she wants has to be something that will make them feel comfortable which is a theme that transcends from 1955 to today which we'll all agree with you know there's certain social stereotypes which we all feel inclined or obligated to fit into something that i found very interesting about this film was how like fuck you to all of those social stereotypes that rock's um character ron was and how he was like nobody else matters all that matters is us i don't care about what your friends think of us as long as we're happy and we're in love that's all that matters and like i thought that was pretty spot on for 1955 and i was i was surprised that in a movie that was so like social stereotypes here comes rock hudson and he's like all that matters is us run away with me to my woodshed and she was like oh and then you know they did i mean i think that's part of why it's so stereotypical is that he i think that's the point director douglas circus is probably trying to make the only thing that i would take issue with with that uh, i i think in general you know yeah definitely rock hudson's character represents this kind of almost beatnik-y i'm doing my own thing society's rules don't hold me down i'm gonna live my life happy i'm gonna grow my trees you know that kind of thing the only thing is like he he does kind of want to push his agenda on her right like he kind of all he like i think it would have been like i think it's a very cool statement that she you know she's deciding oh i'm going to go with what I, my heart and go with what i want and not what these people want for me but i think it would have been an even more cool statement if she would have been like and that includes you guy i just started dating and i don't really want to do what necessarily exactly what you want me to do either i'm not going to cave to what you want and just live my life for you instead of Instead of myself, I think it would have been cooler if she would have been like, I'm going to do me, right? Like, this is all about me. Like, I think that would have been completely, like, revolutionary, and they probably wouldn't have let this movie be released in 1955 if, if that had happened. Like, that was so outside the, the social box. If she'd been like, just kidding, I'm going to do me. Haters going to hate. And then, like, walked <laughs> off into the sunset with, like, a horse or whatever. Like, that that, that would have been completely different than, than, what, than what the movie was, was trying to show. But I agree that would have been super cool. But I don't think that would have been able to happen. Yeah, no, I think it. I think they went as far as they probably reasonably could, and I think it's great. I I am a huge fan of this film, but like, I just think yeah, it's a little bit of a letdown at the end where you're like, oh man, you're kind of just kind of letting him because he's very he's intense, super intense. But but it's like, what's that book, uh, the game that teaches men how to pick up women? Oh, you think he's negging? 
Oh, 100 million percent. From the beginning when she's like, oh, hey, do you want some coffee and some rolls? And he comes over and he sits down. And he's like, whatever. And then he drinks and he like drinks a little bit of coffee and like eats a little roll and is not making eye contact with her at all. And then is like, I better go back to my trees. And she's like, lust, lust, lust. As he like walks back to the trees, like 100% negging the whole time. Like he never answers her questions. He just says whatever the fuck he wants, which is. And then she just falls into his arms. Literally. Remember at the mill house when like that bird comes out of nowhere and she's like, ah, and then she yeah, falls. She, she and literally falls. She into literally his arms. falls into his arms. It's so true. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like she's still, she definitely, it's definitely like a normative film, on, at least on that level. But, but again, I think, you know, you, you take one battle at a time. You know what I mean? Like it's achieving something regardless and i think that that's uh, of value but yeah no that i hadn't thought about him as a as a pickup artist though i have to be honest that's that's a little that's because he, he, he also like has bagged tons of chicks as we're discovering from like there was the girl there was the blonde girl oh, that he sure, was with yeah. and then there was uh-huh. the girl at the at the tree farm that he was with and i mean he's a he's a he's a hot commodity he definitely does not need her no, but she, but she doesn't need him either, right? She's got Harvey. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she does need. I don't know. But. Harvey's like a w- old weirdo who's just like, let's be friends forever. And she's like, you're nice, but there's also this thirty-year-old hottie that I'm gonna hook up with instead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sex was never implied during this film, correct? Correct. So they, so they literally kiss twice, and then they're like, we're getting married. Listen, the number of movies that I could show you where two people go on an adventure together and then kiss for the first time as they say we're getting married. <laughs> okay, can we also talk about the, the kiss, which I, which I call the mashing twist? So the man kind of assaults the woman by mashing his face onto hers with such force and then twists kind of their heads to show that their faces are connected while generating generating a lot of like neck rolls on the women on the woman because like her she's so like contorted under the force of his like face smashing like this is how all kisses were like prior to 1960 in films it's so uncomfortable he was so disconnected from her and just couldn't didn't really care what she said like from the very beginning scene, the feeling that I got from the two actors was that they had already hooked up, like they, they'd already had sex. But, you know, you know, when like you and a friend have sex, but none of your other friends know or like you, you and somebody hook up and none of your other friends know, but you're around all of them. So you're intentionally like very awarely ignoring them, very intentionally ignoring them so that like no one else knows it seemed like that what they were do- that's what they were doing through the entire video or sorry through the entire film like when she was like oh do you like want some coffee or whatever i don't know and he's like yeah i guess and i'm like you guys have already fucked like in the back of your tree van i, I, I you know? like your dialogue a lot i think you know there's something there we could do something with the dialogue <laughs> anyway that's like i just had a, i just like it was right from the get-go i was like you guys have fucked like i'm over this Anyway, that's that's what I thought. Okay. Okay. Well, that's let's, let's no. That's a fresh take. That's, let's get that's, let's get back to the, re- the recording portion. Oh, of no, this. I'm totally going to use that part. Oh, okay. That part's great. <laughs> um, I loved how they used the trees to show the passage of time. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a nice way to do it. Well, and the the I mean, it, it's not just the costumes and the and and that like the backdrops of this movie are gorgeous as well. Stunning. I mean, that first scene where they're beautiful. where they're showing the credits and they're panning yeah. through the town. Yes. Specifically, that is just so beautiful. That and his mill, you know, and like the land he lives on is it all just absolutely stunning. So many hipsters would saw off one of their limbs to live in that mill house. Oh yeah, no, no, that mill's going for one, one and a half, two million dollars easy at today. Least. At bottom basement floor. Yeah, it may be in the condition it started in, but like <laughs> not even after they fix it up. So, um, one thought that I had when I watched this film was. Um, you know, my parents are are still married and have been for forty six years, which is crazy. That's awesome. Um, but I still think about like, do I like children are just so selfish? Like, especially adult children, we're just so selfish. And I think to myself, like, are there ways in which I am expecting my parents to remain the same for me and not allowing them to continue to live their lives and be people? You know, like, am I doing that? Have you? experienced a situation in which your parents have acted in a way that was not that you weren't expecting of them oh sure definitely yes yeah i can't i mean you know just not not anything as dramatic as as this because like i said that that's not really a possibility at this point but like totally well you know what it's not even so much moments where they were acting dramatically differently than i expected but when they said things to me that reminded me that they are people (laughs) in the same way that I am like you know where they where they um where like my parents were kind of going through a rough time at one point and my mom was very open with me about like well I don't know you know I'm not sure I love your father anymore this kind of thing and I really thought they were gonna get divorced and like just and then and they're happier now than they've ever been but like just hearing that I was like oh my god like you're a you're just a person living your life and I don't know if the characters in the film ever really got there so carrie's two um grown children the son who is a just straight up ass hat and then <laughs> the daughter who is a what did she do she did social social work yeah i think she's a social worker and and something of like a kind of a weird stereotype of like a like a, an educated modern woman. Right. Kind of she stereotype. had glasses and a ponytail and bangs. Like Removed she was... her glasses every time she had anything important to say. Yes. Well, they were her readers. So she didn't. Yeah. yeah so she, so she, yeah, she took them off for emphasis. But she was, she was creating that, that stereotype of, well, if you're smart, then you have a ponytail and glasses. And then if you take them off, then you're a lady. Yeah. But, and if you're, if your dumb boyfriend says, you're smart, and then you're making out with them two seconds later and all that. Right. So I feel like she started to approach the idea that her mom had needs and had wants similar into the way that she did. Whereas before, when she found out that Carrie was marrying Ron, she was like, hell no, I don't agree with this. You're not allowed. I'm going to throw a hissy fit. Fuck you. And then six months later, she got engaged and she was so happy and she came home and she was like, mom, 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 I'm in love. And her mom was like, yeah, I was too. And you didn't allow me to experience that love. And then her son or her, her daughter was like, oh, shit, I'm so horrible person. I'm sorry. And then starts the waterworks all over again. And then her son buys her a TV and is like, you don't need a husband. You just need a TV. But 
I feel like in that moment, her daughter started to understand that, oh, my mom is actually a living, breathing human, just like the way that I am and has needs the way that I do. And she was in love just like the way that I am. And I deprived her of that love. And if someone had deprived me of the love that I'm experiencing now, I'd be really sad. So I guess I did a bad thing, which is great, but not said in so many words. Yeah. I mean, I think it it is a moment because like, because her daughter says to 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 her, oh, but you weren't really in love like I am. Were you? And then she's obviously upset and she's like, well, it's, it's not too late. Like if he loves you, you know, you could still fix this. Let's do this. You know, she becomes like a, a cheerleader at that moment. The eternal optimism of a young 20 something. Oh, totally. The one, but it is interesting to note though, that I, I, I think I totally agree with you that the daughter kind of goes through an interesting transformation there. The son, not so much. Like, I don't really feel like he ever. No, the son has zero character arc. He shows up as just this totally one dimensional What's his name? Ned? Yeah, he's a martini making boring nothing in the film. So boring. He's like, I'm Ned and I hate everybody except for me. <laughs> and that's his whole that's his whole gimmick. And he, his mom wants to be happy and he doesn't want to allow it. And then he sells her house and doesn't allow her to marry the man that she wants to marry. I was not a fan of Ned, if you haven't gathered that already. Yeah, well, yeah, no, he was hard to I think he's hard to let and he's there for that purpose, right? But I but they don't give him the kind of like uh, redeeming moment that they do with the with the daughter with the for daughter sh- for sure yeah it's it is it's very we haven't even gotten into like the 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 like some people have described this film as a an attack on on social classes which i actually don't really agree with but there is a lot of interesting stuff going on at the club and with her friend circle and sort of the hypocrisy of all those people and there's a lot there's for a for a movie that i completely agree with you is very light on plot there's a lot going on but all of that seems totally stereotypical and I know that I'm saying that now in 2015 and this movie happened in 1955 so now I'm seeing all of this all of those social classes and and disparity portrayed and I feel oh yeah this is totally stereotypical of all the movies that I've seen over the last 30 years but were they totally revolutionary in 1955? Had nobody sh- like cracked open the social disparities in 1955? Well I think um for the time period, this was a very honest take on kind of like the, you know, that 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 idea of like, oh, there's a lot, you know, these people look so happy and they have everything and whatever, but there really is like a ton of sort of darkness and hypocrisy behind this kind of stuff. I don't think that the intention of the film is to say, uh, you know, um, is to puncture social cues. Like, I don't think that's really what the film is about. I think it's about... Uh, all the issues we've already discussed, but I but I do think that there's like a really interesting uh, aspect of it where it just shows like how horrible sort of all these these people are in her life who are all about maintaining respectability and like you know uh, probably are viewed by people not in their inner circle as like the the gold standard of their town, but in reality are just the worst. So uh, at, at any rate, um, bef- before I think that's good. Like we, before we kind of begin to wrap this one up is there anything else you wanted specifically wanted to mention or bring up or anything else you noticed um i just loved how like haters gonna hate was one of the key themes to the movie (laughs) yeah no definitely i mean that's basically what ron's vibe was it's like yeah these people are fucking jerks and they're gonna be jerks and the party that ron's friends have where they have like a lobster cookout and they drink like 30 bottles of chianti um, did you notice that one of the guests was playing a instrument? An accordion? An accordion, but like a pirate accordion. Yes. Where, like it doesn't have any keys and you just like bang it back and forth and 
Like there was, and he's singing to her and he's playing at the piano. That just felt so out of theme with the rest of the movie. Like, I wonder, was there someone on set that was like, and then we'll have a musical theme. Like what, where did that come from? I think the the idea there was just to show like what, you know, counterbalance her very stuffy life and like all the obligations that she had with like the, the quote unquote freewheeling, you know, bohemian lifestyle of, of Ron who realizes the important things in life, Carrie. I know what it's all about. You know, he says Carrie every time he says anything, which is like, yes. I think Ryan Hudson does a great job, but if he said Carrie, I'm like, that's a really creepy, man. Like, that's a really creepy way to talk to someone. Like if when I was there's like, no Maya, one else Maya, in the room, Maya. if there's no one else in the room, you don't need to say the person's name. Yeah, who else are you referring to? Like, it's context. Like, we get it. And I, I yeah, yeah. I and I, that sounds like I don't. I, I really like Rag Hudson in this movie a lot, but like that is definitely not the best thing about him. I loved um, how they used the daughter to like carry on the plot. No pun intended. But any, but she'd be like, "Is this the way you're feeling?" And she'd explain like exactly what was going on in the scene and exactly the way that the mom could have felt, and to convey to the audience like this might be how the lead character is feeling, and this is what she might do next. <laughs> it's a lot of exposition. It's done in a kind of a cute, clever, also problematic in some ways way. But yeah, I agree. it is. It's very true. Another thing that I that I thought, which is just 2015. Uh, knowledge projected onto 1955, which is when a man who you have never met invites you to go back to his shed, puts you in his car, drives you to his shed, opens up his shed and says, go inside. You don't go inside because that's how you get murdered. There were so many opportunities there where I was like, run, run, you feel Carrie. Like this could have been a, 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 this could have been a horror film. Well, it obviously wasn't, but I was just really worried for her safety because he drove around in the middle of nowhere. There was no one else around. He took her into this like old mill that is clearly dilapidated and is like falling down. She could have just fallen through the floor and died. But it, like that would have been a perfect opera. That would have been the perfect murder, right? He puts her in his car, drives her out in the middle of nowhere, murders her, leaves the body, leaves. It, it is definitely a uh, a different time. It was a different time. It was a different time. People were just very trusting. And also, well, because she did know, well, let's remember one thing. She did know his dad. So it's not Who's like he was a complete... also dead. How did well, he die? Nobody knows. What if he killed him? Nobody knows. I'm definitely in, interested in, in exploring the idea of like all that heaven allows, the horror edition, like all that hell allows, blah, like serial killer, you know. Rock I think that there's definitely a story. Yes. I think there's definitely a movie there. Listen, um, he's got a lot of saws and a really big van. He's he's got everything he needs. He he's definitely, he needs. you know, and I mean, you know, you gotta mix, you gotta get mulch somehow for your trees. That is dark. I uh, that is really dark. Sorry, and you're welcome. I also <laughs> laughed at when um, the daughter's boyfriend said, "How can anyone so little be so smart and yet so pretty?" Yeah, the daughter's boyfriend, not not my favorite character. That's pretty general. rough. That's yeah. pretty rough. Like I said, you know, he's like. Ugh, you you're smart, and then they're making out like one second later because he compliments her, and she's there was, bookish. You know, there was just a lot of grabbing of women in this movie, like grabbing onto their shoulders, just like men like grabbing onto women's extremities, like I'm gonna take you here now, or I'm gonna say this thing to you, or I'm gonna turn you around. And I was like, can we not grab the women anymore, please? Yeah, one of the hardest things, in all honesty, one of the hardest things to do when you're watching like films from this era is to ignore just the crazy amount of 
sexism that isn't even overt or explicit. It's just like that. It's just like men telling women, demanding women feel a certain way and women acquiescing or men grabbing women or men just like overpowering women in ways that are just like incredibly inappropriate. I mean, even when he kisses her, it's for the first time or whatever, it's kind of a little rapey. Like she, she, she was uh, not involved in that kiss at all. He, he kissed her. But she she was not involved in the decision making. Yeah, she was not a participant. She was being kissed. Right. She was and, and that's kissing. and it is really and you have to kind of remind yourself to a certain extent. And and some people choose not to watch films like this particularly for that reason. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I you know I kind of can I'm, I find it you know I'm trying to see what the film was intending to achieve. But it's the same thing like when they get to the even the Bohemians. When they get to the Bohemian party, even there, the women are basically doing all the work getting the house ready, right? And it's all about the men having learned what really matters in life. But what about the women? Like, why are they not supposed to learn what really matters in life? No, it's 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 an under underlying theme on all a lot of these movies. It's it can be hard to it can be hard to deal with. That said, I did enjoy how my previous criticism, which was five minutes of plot on eighty five minutes of film. It allowed you to kind of take a step back and just enjoy, as we were saying, the beautiful sets, the beautiful lighting, the beautiful costumes. Like it was a really visually stunning film and just also enjoying the accents or the style of speaking that the actors were employing. That was also, you know, just like really good and kind of like in the way boyhood was like three hours or whatever but I could have watched it for eight hours just because it was so like casual and lovely to watch a film that just allowed you to experience what life was like of that time or be able to glimpse into what that family was feeling or experiencing at that time I really enjoyed that so this was a really easy watching film that I wouldn't be like hey watch this crazy amazing movie but, like, to just put it on and then, like, do something in the background, like, put it on while you're cooking or something, I could see this being a really, really lovely film to return to. I'm really glad that you feel that way. I'm really glad that, you you know, you enjoyed it. And we, I felt like we had, a, you know, it provided certainly us with plenty to talk about, which is, I think, kind of what I love about the film, kind of why I chose it for you. It's like, yeah, it's a very simple story, and yet there's kind of a lot to, to think about and talk about in the end. Like, do you think this film could be made today? Well, so that's actually an interesting point that you raised. So it it was remade um, in in the seventies in Germany um, by a famous uh, uh, German new wave director Reiner Werner Fassbinder, who made a movie called Fear Eats the Soul. And it's interesting because the way that he made it relevant for today or for the seventies was that as opposed to it being that the that the family cared because of the age difference, he made the the man in the story an uh, Arab immigrant. To Germany and he doesn't speak a lot of German and he's kind of a guest worker from that period of like guest worker programs and so there was a racial aspect to it that I think definitely you could still make that story today I don't think that's even changed a little bit you know you would set it differently depending on where what country you were doing it in but I mean with what's going on in the world right now you could definitely make a movie where the community reacted exactly the same way it just I don't think it could be because of age yeah I think that in in movies that follow the same formula this plot is a subplot and there's normally something else that's going on but right. I but I appreciate a movie or a film. Sorry, is movie like drug? Is that like a it's like a mean thing to call a film? I don't think so. I mean, I, for whatever reason, when I write, uh, I always use film. Uh, but I see people. No, I don't think it is. I think it's totally fine. Okay, so I appreciate a film that <laughs> that can feature 
just what we would now consider to be a subplot as the entire plot. Because if you can get away with making a movie that's just a subplot and people are entertained and everybody goes and sees it and is massively successful, that's pretty cool that you didn't have to employ a bunch of bullshit to entertain people, that you could just, you know, pull like this one strain of the human experience out and then create an entire thematic experience around it and people are really interested. I actually really enjoy small films, films where the the ambition is not huge, where it's like, we're going to look at one thing and we're going to really kind of explore that and we're going to allow it to breathe and we're not going to like overwhelm you with a million different things. I think it it does make for a really, I agree with you, it makes for a really interesting experience. Agreed. Cool. All right. Well, so um, before we sort of wrap things up today, uh, do you want to uh, go ahead and tell everyone, you know, how they can find you on the internet? No. Cool. I dig that. Uh, so, you know, Maya's cool though. You should try to find her. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe not. Uh, so you can find me, well, at least you can find this podcast at cinema gadfly on Twitter or cinemagadfly.com, And, um, we will join you next time for another episode with Maya, where we are going to look at, uh, the film she chose for me. So, um, until then, I hope everyone out there has a great day. Carrie, let's face it. You were ready for a love affair, but not for love.